This is an ABC podcast. During the Second World War, thousands of Australian families got letters like this. Dear Madam, I've been directed by the Minister for the Army to advise you that no definite information is at present available in regard to the whereabouts or circumstances of your husband, number NX52255, Sergeant Andrew McNeil. And to convey to you the sincere sympathy of the Minister and the Military Board in your natural anxiety in the absence of news concerning him. Headquarters, 22nd Australian Infantry Brigade, 15th of May 1942. Some returned to Australia, but for others, all the family got back with a soldier's dog tags. I'm Elizabeth Coolass. Welcome to Days Like These. A dog tag is a symbol of service and identity. But more than that, if you're wearing them, you're good. After all, the dog tag's purpose is to say who you are if you're not able to say it for yourself. And today, our reporter, James Viver, brings us a story about a dog tag that is seemingly so lucky, it's almost as if it has a spell cast over it. I mean, the coincidences and the crossovers are just amazing. We start in a house in Canberra. One of the beauties about it was this huge open fireplace that once the the fire was going, it would heat the whole house. That's Peter Conway. It's his house. It's a small, heritage-listed red brick cottage built in 1921. He's owned that house since the 90s, but... It was time for a reno. They had to take that huge fireplace apart, brick by brick, including the mantelpiece. And it's in this fireplace, or the remains of it, that our story begins. It wasn't until the the bricks came off and were knocked down, there was this piece of... Nobody knew what it was, just lying there in the dust and the bricks. And here is the chippy handing me this little piece. I look at it... It's round, the size of a 20-cent piece or two thumbnails together, dark brown colour. It is made of compressed cardboard. I said to him, oh, that's a, that's a dog tag. How did that get there? An Australian soldier who served in the Second World War, I saw the name McNeil, A. McNeil, and NX, five... Two two five five. It was behind the mantelpiece for 70-odd years. If it had fallen into the fire, it would have had no chance of survival. And just said to myself, well, I wonder who the hell this belonged to and how did this get into this house? As luck would have it, yeah, there's a bit of that happening with this one, Peter knew exactly what he was looking at. because I'd had my own father's dog tags. 
He was a volunteer from New South Wales and served in the Pacific Theatre of War in Singapore as a captured prisoner of war, incarcerated in Changi at first, then made to work on the Burma-Thailand Railroad. Mum said he was, in old measurements, uh, just under six foot, five foot eleven, about twelve stone, came back four stone seven. That's about the same as an 11-year-old, roughly 30 kilos. Peter's father, Richard, returned to Sydney and, after recovering, tried to make the most of the freedoms he'd suffered for during the war. Richard loved golf and was a first-grade spin bowler. He grew potatoes and lettuce in the backyard. He went fishing with his kids. Remarkably, after he retired from the public service in the 1980s, he went back to Changi, taking his wife, showing her where he dug trenches and what prison life was like. I can understand the emotion that these, these items trigger because there's things you can touch and say, God, this has gone through all that history. If it hadn't been for that understanding and how important these relics and medallions can be to people, I don't think I would have realised what I was holding in my hand. This would have just gone. This would have just been turfed out. Part of the detritus left over from an old, old demolition. Who was this person? Who was this individual? We need to get to the bottom of this. Did he survive the war? Who, who was he? Who was this McNeil? Peter was busting to know more about this A. McNeil, NX52255. Two details which are actually not a bad start if you're trying to solve a random lounge room mystery. He started his investigation at the Australian War Memorial. Yes, so here we are going through the records and the thing that really hit me, they have him in Changi at the surrender to the Japanese, the same as my father. So the two of them certainly would have been in Changi together, made to work on the Burma-Thailand Railroad. So they would have been working in fairly close proximity. I wonder if you and my father ever ran into each other. I wonder if you'd ever speak. They must have been cross paths somewhere. It was a heartstring sort of moment to go, wow. It just woke me up to say, you know, what the hell? Just quite, a, quite an amazing sort of feeling, you know. <laughs> the chances of, in a house that I buy, I find an NX dog tag, the same as my father, falling down the bat of a mantelpiece. And there'd be odds it'd be similar to the 100 to 1 horse winning the Melbourne Cup. It's almost as if you've got two parallel universes. I thought there must be somebody out there, a son or daughter or grand grandparents, there must have been. Only proper to see if we can track them down first. Let's see if we can find you know, if there's any family or any relatives of McNeil still alive. I've got your dog tag, mate. Where's the rest of your family? And did you have a family? Oh, 
I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that gets surprised easily. But when I found out about the dog tag, ah, uh, that's a different story altogether. <laughs> I was surprised. I was very surprised. I wouldn't have thought an inanimate object could have such power. My name's Tony McNeil. I'm a Canberra local. I'm the granddaughter of NX 52255 Andrew McNeil, prisoner in Changi and on the Thai Burma Railway. When he came back, he was very thin. I think, I believe he weighed about six stone. As I knew him, his granddad was quite a stocky build, so for me to think of him weighing less than I do, that's a little bit sobering. When the troops started coming home and people were running through the streets to see them, they were so gaunt and in such poor state that the crowd went silent. All this time, and without Peter knowing, Tony McNeil had been researching her family history and this was about to come in very, very handy. I was looking at a well-known genealogy site. She came across a McNeil family tree, and it was her family. And I found it completely by accident. Someone had seen an article about the dog tags in the local paper and done some detective work. So I sent a message, and in the discussion, she told me that my grandfather's war medals had been found. I then found out it was dog tag, not the medals. So had you not have been poking around on that website? Probably still be oblivious today. Tony has served herself in the United Nations Peacekeeping Force in East Timor, so she knows what it's like to wear dog tags. She's worn them, just like her grandfather. She knows the significance they can hold. They're worn 24 hours a day. In the unfortunate event of a casualty or a death, the round tag is sent to military authorities. The dog tag is something that is yours, you own it, it stays with you forever and it experiences everything that you experience. So the dog tag to me is more important than the medals because the medals are awarded post-fact. This little piece of cardboard is just, it's just so important to our family, not just to me. When I hold this disc, I feel that I've got a piece of my granddad with me. It was against his chest, it was against his heart, it was against the centre of his being. Through what must have been an awful time, those men went through horrors that we couldn't, couldn't even begin to imagine. Venetian blinds were not allowed because they reminded my grandfather of bamboo. So there was nothing Japanese, nothing made in Japan ever allowed. Not long after he returned, he'd had a nightmare and he thought my grandmother was a Japanese guard and he was trying to strangle her. From that time on, he decided that it was too risky to sleep in the same room and so they slept in opposite bedrooms. Even though they slept apart, they woke up every morning, held hands, walked down the corridor to the kitchen together for breakfast. We were on the front veranda one day and my brothers had been playing around and my older brother took the dog lead and put it on one of my younger brothers and my grandfather just lost it and I'd never seen that before. He told him to take it off and never do anything so stupid again. At the time, 
I didn't really understand why, because I thought it was a joke and we were playing around, and I couldn't understand why my grandfather was so upset by it. I later found out that quite often the Japanese put chains on prisoners, and I guess that's why he lost it. Andrew McNeil came back to Canberra, to what would become Peter's house on Elamata Street in Braddon. He set his dog tag on the mantelpiece and tried to get on with his life. He recovered from his war experience as best he could. But apart from the mental toll, he had some shrapnel wounds in his leg and was given a pension. He had kids, loved his cricket, went for a beer with his mates, but never marched on Anzac Day. He died in Canberra in the 1960s, age 62. He was very much loved by his grandchildren. There were five grandchildren, and we all have very fond memories of him. I stayed in my grandparents' place quite a lot when I was a child. I used to sleep in the front room. I could never wait for my grandfather to wake up. I used to crawl down the corridor and wait outside his room until I heard him say, is there somebody out there? And then I would go in and crawl into bed with him. I just remember him as being very kind and gentle. Decades later, and against all odds, the dog tag finally found its way back to the family. The number of coincidences are better than fiction. For my grandfather to have survived the war, for this to have survived, to come back to Canberra within a few kilometres of where I live and be found by somebody whose father also served in the same theatre of war, who recognised it for what it was, is just amazing. I think it is a lucky charm. It's kind of, uh, there's a bond there between Peter's family and my family now because of this. Without the discovery of this small cardboard disc, the granddaughter of one veteran and the son of another would never have been able to share their stories. And while we may not know if the two diggers ever met in Changi, Tony and Peter live 5Ks apart. So I was curious about what would happen if I got them together. So this clearly, this is my father on the left. Yeah. Tony brought some photos to show Peter. I believe this photo could well have been taken in your backyard. Right, I was just wondering that. It certainly yeah. looks very familiar. <laughs> Extre- extremely familiar. <laughs> yes, okay. wow. So that's a photograph of my grandfather after the war. It'd be either after Changi was liberated or early on arrival back home. It's a, it's a military photo. But this one here is very telling, I believe, the, you know, that thousand-yard stare Yeah. post-war. I certainly remember that from time to time, yeah. Reminds me a bit of Dad every now and then, when I, but I was a young kid and didn't under, mm. understand why at times there'd be this distance in his eyes and looking and well, almost, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? As a young kid, I used to say to my mother, we've just mowed the lawn, why is he mowing the lawn again? She said, just leave him alone. He'd keep mowing and mowing. And it very much reflects the character of the men themselves to to mm. have rebuilt. And, and as I say, my grandfather was such a gentle and kind man. For him to be that kind of man after he'd been through the horrors of the Thai Burma Railway and Changi Prison, um, that's testament to the character of the man himself. 
And I'm sure it's the same with your father. He basically said, look, uh, I mightn't forget, but we've got to forgive and move on. If you keep hating and hating, it'll just break you up. No, I'd not seen Peter's father's dog tag before. Well, you asked me to bring in Dad's today, so oh. I've got the, got the original, so... Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh this mm-hmm. is special. Mm-hmm. So now I can picture just mm-hmm. how my grandfather's complete set would look. And oh, I are. noticed... Same blood type. Oh, What's the... A2. A2. This is amazing. It's got an aura of its own, hasn't it? Well, it certainly does. They've both been in Alamata Street. (laughs) Yes, they have been in Alamata Street. (laughs) And there was one last piece of serendipity to come. The builder, by coincidence, is also named Andrew McNeil. So Andrew McNeil found Andrew McNeil's dog tag all those years later, some... 70 years later, when the dog tag fell to the floor, they picked it up, rubbed a bit of dust off it, and Andrew McNeil saw A. McNeil on the dog tag and he told me that his heart skipped a beat. (laughs) Quite recently, after the dog tag was returned to us, a member of my family told me that shortly before his death, my grandfather had been frantically searching for something. It's probably a long bow to draw, but it may well have been the dog tag. Thanks to reporter James Viver for that story. We hope you're enjoying days like these. If you'd like to support us, please subscribe or give us a rating in your podcast app of choice. You can also share us with a friend or on Twitter or Facebook. If there's a story you want us to hear, please do share it with us. You can record a voice memo or send us a note. Our email is dayslikethese at abc.net.au. Next time on Days Like These, Jenna Holmes first stumbles across the Oprah Winfrey show as a nine-year-old and she's totally hooked. But will the principles of vision boards and manifestation be enough to help her realise her dream of thanking Oprah in person herself? Up in the top right-hand corner, um, there's a picture of me and Oprah in a salad bowl. And then there was um, a big quote. Um, It was one of her quotes. It said, there's no such thing as luck. There's only preparation meeting opportunity, which basically means that, like, the universe doesn't set something up for you something is presented to you and you've spent your life preparing for it and they meet each other in the middle and then they go off together days like these is hosted by me elizabeth coolass our lead reporter is padabud and our season two reporting team includes james viver sam wicks and belinda lopez our researcher is tamar cranswick our digital team includes andrew davies and michael delaney Sound design on this episode by John Jacobs, with thanks to Timothy Nicastri and Stephen Tilly. The supervising producer for this episode was Kyla Slaven. Our brilliant executive producers are Ian Walker and Rachel Fountain. 
Our theme song is Yeah Nah by the Gooch Palms, courtesy of Ratbag Records and BMG. Extra music by Russell Stapleton. See you next time. If you're looking for more great podcasts to listen to, I wholeheartedly recommend Conversations from the ABC. It's one of my absolute favourite shows, something of a big sister podcast to days like these. Hosts Richard Feidler and Sarah Konoski bring you an interview with a fantastic guest every weekday. Plus, they have an amazing back catalogue to listen through as they speak to some of the brightest minds of our time. Here's a bit of a recent episode of Richard Feidler in conversation with comedian Akmal Saleh. It's all about the time that Akmal and his wife, both big city types, make a tree change to what they think will be an idyllic little cabin outside of Byron Bay. Their friends think they're bonkers. They figure their poodles can run in the fresh Byron air. That is until a few weeks later, the water pipes go, the walls are full of rats, and then there's the local wildlife. We had this gigantic python in the roof. I've never seen such a... This was a 30-year-old python, and every time the dogs went out in the front yard to play, this python would just come out and look at him and lick his tongue like, mmm. And so we'd, we'd, get, we'd panic and we'd have to put him back in the house. Are these small dogs or large dogs? They're small dogs. They're just like... They're not even real dogs. They're like a poodle, a toy poodle cross shih tzu. <laughs> so they don't even have snouts, in other words, do they? No, they're, they're not even real dogs. Right. Like they, they don't belong in the jungle. They belong in someone's lap. So you, you know. brought python fodder, essentially, to the wilderness. With well, yeah, dogs. I mean, you know, I, it was just, it was ridiculous. And these dogs, these feral dogs, who we were scared of, and the, the, our dogs were scared of too, but, and, and they would, like, they'd come around around sunset for some reason, <laughs> and they'd circle the, the cabin. There'd be, like, five, six of them. And these things kill for pleasure, you know, they, 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 because they they just born, they, they they have this bloodlust, and they're full of hate, are they? Well, yeah. they certainly didn't like us, <laughs> that's for sure. And and they would just they would look at you through the window, like we'd be scared. We'd go, I can't go out. There's feral dogs. And they look demonic, you know, and, and they give you a look. You know, they can't talk, but they they give you a look through the window, like hey, you got to come out sometime. And when you do, we'll be here. Did they do that thing when they came to your window at night with the shining eyes? Did they yeah. could they do all that? They did have shining eyes. What yeah. is that? Is it, is it, it's just reflection of, of whatever. It's reflection. It's reflection. You see, but I had a very uh, a religious upbringing. I thought that was demonic. <laughs> I thought they were possessed by demons because <laughs> I've been bad. But they, they, I didn't even realise that was a reflection. But they almost lit up these eyes and they go. That's from the Akmal Saleh episode of Conversations. You can find it on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.